And there's also some literature about our work and our latest newsletter is laying there and prayer cards. So please come by after the service and uh, grab something and you can talk to us. Next. Oh, okay. It isn't working? That's okay. It's Okay. I'll just talk louder. Uh, Okay. When Judy and I started seriously considering God's calling to missions, we were already well into middle age. And by the time we actually arrived in Ukraine, I was 53 years old. Judy's a little younger than I am. Often we've wondered, why in the world are we ordinary aging people learning a foreign language, a very difficult one, I might add, and trying to spread the good news seven time zones away among people who have a totally different culture than ours? It does seem crazy, humanly speaking, But God has confirmed that call over and over again in the past eight years. We're often amazed to see how God works in spite of our weakness. We have the privilege to see unbelievers' lives changed as they meet the Savior. Believers trained to better understand God's Word. And church members encouraged as they grow in service to our Lord and His kingdom. We all read the stories of the Bible, so we shouldn't really be surprised that God can start using us in a new and uh, different way even later in life. He uses people both young and old. And uh, anyone who's willing to follow him and do what he asks. Examples from the older side abound in the scriptures. For example, Abram, who set out to follow God at 75 years old. Moses, who received God's call at about age 80. Joshua was in his upper 70s. Caleb was in his 80s. God blessed and used these willing servants in mighty ways to bring salvation to his people. Uh, oh, no, each of these men would be worthy of our study today, but I'd like to consider Moses God's senior servant. Okay, so later we'll talk about Moses and a little bit about him, but first I want to give a little more about our ministry in Ukraine. So There's three parts to our ministry. First, uh, go back one slide, please. First is we want to engage the unreached. And I thought of John 3.16 where it says, Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And uh, next. And so one of the ways that we reach out in Ukraine is we participate with crew, or it used to be called Campus Crusade, uh, in English clubs, and there's, uh, they go to two of the major universities in our city, Kiev, and uh, we'll have 200, 160 sometimes students who come, and we break into classes of about 20 each usually, and uh, this is my class of 20 that I had 
this spring, or about a year ago in March. And uh, this guy who's got a circle around him, his name is Dima. Next slide. And I, I want to tell you a little about Dima. So Dima was an engineering student, freshman. And, uh, well, I guess he's a sophomore now. And he's a very energetic young man, but he didn't know anything about Christ or about the gospel. And, uh, but he was interested because I'm a former engineer. Uh, I served as an engineer for 23 years. And so he, after a day or two, he started coming and, uh, to our class early so he could just kind of hang out with me and chat with me and then he would stay over while I was packing things up and and then walk me to the door usually so uh, Dima and I became friends and he was real interested in all that we had to share and on the last day of the two-week outreach on this university campus uh, they had a big meeting with the, the 120 students who had been at the English club and uh, one of the missionaries gave his testimony, and at the end of that time, uh, they had us split up into our groups of 20 or so. And so Dima, uh, they said they could ask us any question they wanted to. And uh, so Dima said, uh, I got a question for Jay. Jay, why are you a Christian? Because normally engineers don't believe in God. Do you have a testimony or a story to tell like Tyler did that gave his and I said yes and so I got to share the gospel with the group on his invitation so that was really neat he came to Christ through that actually I think there were three in our class of 20 that came to Christ that doesn't always happen of course but uh, praise God he's working next slide the next uh, part of our purpose in being in Ukraine and sin's purpose is to establish reproducing churches. Judy mentioned that we go to a new church plant, so we're uh, doing that kind of work. The I thought of this passage very familiar from 2 Timothy 2.2. The things which you have heard from me, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Another way that we help established churches is through my teaching in Bible college classes. Next. So um, here's a couple of pictures of me teaching in Bible colleges. I've traveled out to nine different cities, usually go for a week and teach 32 hours of class in one week. It's quite exhausting but very fulfilling. And uh, we have people who come to know more about God's Word and so that they can teach other people. Next. So one of the people in, the, in one of those classes, this guy who's got his hand on his chin thinking, uh, is uh, Dennis. And Dennis was an interesting fellow because um, when we go in the summertime, we usually work in four or five camps. Next slide. And uh, so Dennis was at one of these camps that we were working in. Next slide. And... Uh, the theme was spiritual health, and so he's wearing a doctor's uniform like a doctor would look in Ukraine. But I got to hear Dennis teaching the children the Bible lesson, and he was using the very words that I had said in my class. And so I rec recognized that what I was teaching them, they were teaching others. 
And so it was a real privilege to see how that works. Next. And then last of all, I want to talk about mobilizing God's people. That uh, I thought of uh, the Great Commission, of course, and the passage in Luke that tells the Great Commission says that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. And next. So one of the things that Judy and I do is we train Ukrainians who are going out to serve as missionaries cross-culturally in other countries. Okay, next. Uh, Here's some prayer requests, how you can pray for us. And we'd really appreciate your prayers. We need, uh, we need to raise more support. We need to sav- travel safely to ch- various churches. We have six churches in this month to, ch- to visit, which is a blessing. And uh, we're going to leave March 6th to go back to Kiev, Lord willing. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Okay, next and next. All right. Now, back to Moses. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. Moses, while living in exile in the desert, had just gone to investigate a thorn bush that is burning but not being consumed. God calls to Moses from the burning bush, and Moses answers, Here I am, just like that song we sang. God identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's Moses' forefathers. Then he explains that he is aware of the suffering of the Israelites who are slaves to the Egyptians and has come down to deliver the people and lead them into the promised land. I like that phrase, come down. God is so high above us and so beyond us. In order to see our suffering, he has to lower himself down to our level. And uh, so he's come down to deliver the people and to lead them into the promised land. Now follow along as I read Exodus 3, 10 to 12. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you. Notice two things uh, about God's call to Moses. First, God doesn't ask Moses to go. He commands it. He says, I will send you that you may lead my people. The same is true for us. When God is speaking, if he says go, we'd better get moving. Has he said go to us? Yes, in the Great Commission he said go. Has he said go to you? Only you know the answer to that. Secondly, Moses isn't asked to do all this by himself because God promised, I will be with you. As Paul said, if God is for us, who is against us? When God has called us to a task, we need not feel alone. He's always with us. 
That is part of the good news of the gospel. The Holy Spirit is in each of us who believe in Jesus. In Moses' day, God provided his special presence for his special task. In our day, he is present right inside each one of us. But Moses responds, who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Moses knew well the power of Pharaoh, for he had grown up under a different Pharaoh, and he'd probably seen what it could mean if you didn't obey what Pharaoh said or if you got on his bad side. It could mean you'd lose your head. And uh, so, uh, as, as you may remember, Moses ran away about 40 years earlier from, from Pharaoh out of fear. So uh, when God's calling him to go back, he knows very well the danger that's involved in that. Moses also wondered, how could he, of all people, lead Israel? You may remember that uh, when Mo- before Moses ran away, he tried to help the Israelites by slaying an Egyptian taskmaster. And uh, when he did, the people said, Who made you a prince or judge over us? He, re- uh, he was rejected by the people. So now God's saying, Go back and lead my people. And he's thinking, How can that happen? So now he's been called by God to go back to the most powerful and feared man on the earth to announce that he has come to take a million of his slaves to freedom and then to expect this unruly crowd to follow him into the desert. No wonder Moses has questions. God is asking the impossible, humanly speaking. Now look with with me at a later part of the conversation between God and Moses. Let's read Exodus 4, verses 10 to 16. Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes him mute or deaf, or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth, and teach you what you are to say. But he said, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. Next. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, Is there not your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You are to speak to him and put the word in his mouth. And I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people. And he will be as a mouth for you and you will be as God to him. While Isaiah said, Here am I, send me, Moses, on the other hand, said, Here am I, 
Lord, please send anyone else. Sometimes I'm more like Moses than I am like Isaiah. Sometimes I think, this is crazy. Why is God sending me? I can certainly identify with Moses' attitude here. I'm not the best speaker in English, as you can tell, but in Russian I definitely get tongue-tied and my words get tangled, as it says in the New Living Translation. Why would God choose Moses or me or even you, for that matter? Surely someone else would be better. God simply reminds Moses who makes a person's mouth. Surely someone else would be better, but God has chosen us. It was God that chose Moses and miraculously saved his life through Pharaoh's daughter. He prepared him uh, through his training in Egypt, got the best education that was available. God has his own reasons for choosing Moses, and it was his right to do so. Likewise, he created and prepared each one of us. As Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. If we refuse to follow God's calling, then we are saying that God doesn't know what he is doing. This is no way to demonstrate that we believe God. It's no way to uh, exercise faith in Him. When God calls, He's prepared us to do what He's called. In the end, Moses did follow God's calling in life. God worked mightily through Moses and brought great glory to Himself. Exodus 14.31 sums it up when it says, When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. God enabled Moses to save his people from slavery in Egypt. He worked through Moses to create a new nation with laws and a new identity as God's chosen people. In the Bible, God repeatedly calls Moses my servant. You know, it says of Moses that he was the most humble man that ever lived. And he's, uh, he truly acts as a servant to God and to God's people. Even when he's not appreciated, sometimes he's not followed, it could be really frustrating. But, God, but Moses continued to serve humbly. The task for Moses was to lead the people to salvation. Our task is the same. Wherever the Lord has placed us, we are to lead people to God, all the people around us to God's salvation. For Moses and the Israelites, salvation meant freedom from the slavery to their Egyptian taskmasters. For us, salvation means freedom from the penalty power and presence of sin. That's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us look briefly at these three aspects of the gospel. First, 
Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sin. All who trust in him are freed from the penalty of sin and have everlasting life in Christ. Secondly, Jesus promises the presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit, as I mentioned earlier, to all who believe in him. The Spirit enables us to increasingly overcome the power of sin in our lives. We still have that sin nature. We still have to battle and overcome sin. But the Holy Spirit allows us to have victory in that way. We sang that song this morning, Victory in Jesus. And finally, Jesus promises that we will be delivered from the very presence of sin in our lives. When we enter into his heavenly kingdom at the time when we die or when we're caught up to be with him in the heavens, at that point, all sin is removed from us, thought, actions, and desires. Praise God, one day we will be completely delivered from sin, and that is the end of our salvation, the purpose of it. But when we talk about salvation, we're really talking about all three aspects of this good news. Each of us can and should be actively proclaiming this good news to our friends and family, that is the world around us. I know that sounds difficult or scary, and it is for me as well. Like Moses, we want to use God to use someone else, anyone else. Judy and I aren't gifted as evangelists, even though God's called us to be missionaries. We're not the most outgoing or uh, uh, extroverted of people. But what we do is we join with other people who are serving in camps and English clubs and activities like that are designed to purposely reach out with Christ's love. And each of you can do the same thing right here where you live in Oak Ridge. You can join others to help with Sunday school, vacation Bible school. Uh, there's all these ministries that are listed in the bulletin. You can be actively involved in that. You can be praying. You can be baking, cooking, and offering hospitality for those who are doing that work. There's many other ways that you can be involved in God's calling. But God calls every believer in Jesus to go and make disciples. And remember, Jesus promised, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Can we close with prayer? Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for the way um, you've blessed us, the way you, you've forgiven sin in our lives, the way you empower us to overcome that sin. And we praise you, Lord, that we know by faith one day you will remove that sin completely from our lives. We thank you for those things and ask that you help us to, to be witnesses that you've called us to be to those around us, that we could share that good news wherever we are as we go, that we would be serving you like Moses did, even if we're old as Moses was at 80, 
or if we're young like Timothy or others. Lord, we pray that you would help us to serve you and and to give us that attitude of faith and trust in what you've prepared and, and in the way you've called. Thank you, Lord, for this time to worship you and praise you. And we ask, Lord, that you would uh, help each one of us to see our part in your plan. In the name of our glorious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.